You're listening to the Ninja Tune podcast, and I'm your guest host, James Hever, and I'll be interviewing Juliana Barwick. Juliana spoke about music that has signposted and influenced her life from the more ambient, modern, classical soundtrack and electronic worlds, kind of like a a desert island disc for the underground. She chose uh, 11 songs in in total, uh, and we played a few tracks of her own, ranging from her mum's act, True Life Singers, through to the Beach Boys, Panda Bear, John Williams, Danny Elfman, Enya, Bjork, Tori Amos, Aphex Wynn, Sigur Ross, and William Pesinski. Juliana is a composer, vocalist, and producer who makes deep, reflective compositions out of the human voice. Her last album, Healing as a Miracle, was released in 2020 on Ninja Tune. She spoke at length about making the track In Spirit, which opens the album, and also one of her earlier tracks, one of my favourites of all time actually, uh, The Harbinger, so it was brilliant to get into that. We also spoke about um, singing caves in Iceland, her love of uh, R&B karaoke singing, making music on GarageBand, and how Enya needs more respect. Welcome to the Ninja Tune podcast, Juliana. How's it going? Things are great. I'm enjoying 2023 so far. How about you? Yeah, no, it's um, back to work last week. It's very ridiculously cold here in in London. No. I think think it's due to be um, minus five in the next few days. Oh my gosh. But LA had LA had some crazy weather recently, didn't it? Like all rain. Yes, yes. I mean, we had rain yesterday, but last weekend it was crazy, and there's crazy flooding happening all over California. So um, you know, we're a state that's often in a drought, and I, I think I read yesterday that a lot of the water is just flowing out to sea, you know, which is like. A waste of the water from the rain so I think that they're uh, trying to figure out how to redirect <laughs> the flooding to actually you know help out the drought situation but yeah pretty crazy. Don't they have to pump in the water the drinking water from a long way away to LA as well? Or is that is that not so. yeah? I think so I'm like remembering my New York City oh. days and I think the same is true for <laughs> for there but yeah I'm pretty sure not sure i don't know um the water here is pretty crazy everyone kind of like either double britas it or (laughs) filters it some other way five times because it's pretty intense it's um it's amazing to have you on a moving sound i've wanted you on um for, for for many years now i think we met just before my first ever episode actually like in the months before uh when you when you signed to um ninja tune yeah, so, uh, exactly. And, um, and, and, and we, we met there when you when you signed and um, privileged mm-hmm. to have you on. And we, today we're going to go through some some of your some of your favorite records that have um, influenced you within the sort of moving sounds world uh, of genres that we tend to cover on the show. So um, thanks so much for putting the list together. Was it was it quite hard or? No, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I only have one regret 
that actually like came to me this morning and maybe I'll end up mentioning it, but yeah. Um, thanks. Thanks for having me. And um, also it's, it was just great fun to, to look back and think about those songs that were, you know, really formative in my music world. And, so, and your, your, and your, and your first choice is, um, I think it's your first choice is um something not many people would have heard unless it's uh, maybe it did get an <laughs> maybe it did get an, maybe it did get an official release I, I, but um i got the impression from you maybe it didn't but uh, uh, tell me if i am wrong but it's from your from your mum and her group in the in a church is that right yeah um uh i grew up going to church i mean i've said this many times i've gr- i grew up going to church at least three times a week, my dad worked for the church, so we were there constantly. He did all this stuff for all the kids. So, um, you know, summer camp, ski trips, blah, 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 blah. My mom is a beautiful singer. And um, a few of the people that um, went to this church where I grew up made a little singing group. Acapella, of course, because... <laughs> that's the church of christ's way um but they made lps and so they made a couple records and they had matching outfits when they performed (laughs) and you know as a little tiny kid that was extremely exciting because i was a big fan of like people on tv that performed i emulated them like even like people like Tammy Faye Baker. So to see my mom in like an outfit with tool and rhinestones, which I, I think I'm remembering that correctly, was very exciting. But this group sang together acapella, recorded. And this song is, is one that I remember singing in church, you know, my whole life and I always loved the way um, it ended up kind of going in rounds and I sang this song with everyone around the campfire many many times and and my mom's group True Life Singers recorded it it's called Jesus is Lord so you know I mean my mom's voice is you know probably the most formative thing there is um she's always still always singing around the house she's saying you know i listened to her when she was standing next to me in church i hear her when she was singing with this group so i mean what from zero what other track could it possibly be And, and, and when you and when you say singing in rounds do you mean kind of like it's almost like loops but uh acoustically yeah, I mean, it's instead of like, yeah, instead of like harmonies, it's like um, the melody will start and then um, one group will be singing that and then another group will come in with a, with a, with the melody in a different place. So it's kind yep. of like starting here and they're going and then the other group will come in later and it's kind of like going around in rounds. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, so much of the music that I grew up with in the church informed the way I make music now from being very vocal driven, rounds, layers, the reverb from all the auditoriums. 
have you heard the uh, Peter Broderick's uh, the Beacon Sound Choir? Um, this is like a drone drone choir, basically. I um, haven't. Oh wow! I'm gonna have to share that with you. Um, I think it's a choir he found in Wells, and um, and you know Peter from uh, Erase Tapes, and it's just it's kind of droney, and it's it's improvised. It's purely improvised, I think, as well. Oh, um, cool! I would love yeah. to hear that. Yeah, I'll share that uh, with you afterwards. But so, um, it's True Life Singers is the name of your mum's act. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, where can can people find that in in most in most places? Like in terms no. of streaming <laughs> services and no, where, where can no. if someone wants to get it, is it where would they go? Well, actually, when you Google it, like in quotation marks, um, there's this website that comes up called We Care Ministries. And the tracks are downloadable, but I forget what kind of track they are, and I had to convert it to MP3, but it's like an ancient thing, you know? It looks like it was made, you know, like, you know, with on Netscape, like, in the 90s, you know, early 90s. (laughs) Pre-MySpace. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of amazed that it's still functional in any way, but it does exist. Okay, great. This is... uh true life singers and Jesus is Lord. Yeah, so Juliana, um, you grew up in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I have quite a limited, I've never been there really. So my my knowledge of Louisiana would just be things I see in films, really. And um, so, yeah, just explain what it's like growing up there. Um, I mean, I lived there till I was five. So oh, okay. it's all these kind of like fuzzy, hot weather um scent driven <laughs> memories yeah. you know um lots of pine needles and mimosa flowers and things like that um w- as a congregation 
we yeah. all sang the hymns a cappella. So, you know, and those, to, especially to a tiny kid, an auditorium, you know, just made the sound swell and it was very reverberant and it was all vocals. I mean, besides like an occasional clap or whatever, um, that was allowed. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, all of this music and a lot of it, or a lot of, of what I was drawn to, even as a tiny thing, was the very beautiful and sad and almost like sorrowful hymns, you know, um, and with these stacked vocals and this kind of like reverberant spaces. I mean, it's, you know, it's no surprise that that really, <laughs> you know. You think that's where you got your uh, lifelong addiction of reverb from? <laughs> definitely, definitely. I've been chasing that reverb ever since. <laughs> I mean, it's a question I had later on, but I, I might as well ask you now. Um, like, where where's the place you'd most like to find reverb? Is there a place you want to go where you're going to get the best reverb for your voice that you haven't been yet? Well, I've heard that, you know, I made a record in Iceland with Alex Summers um, in 2012, and I heard that there are singing caves there, and that is extremely exciting to think about. Um, but I'm like, I'm also like a lifelong, literally, parking garage um fan or like a very 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 long stairwell is very exciting i remember um you know i went to hunter college in new york and the um photography you know the dark room was on the top floor and i would spend a lot of time just like ducking into the stairwell and singing until i heard a door open um you know, so I've always loved that. I have entertained myself for countless hours since I was born doing that. So, just like noticing how it reacts to your voice and how different shapes of rooms does different things, and yeah, yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we should, we should. I want to get through all your choices today. So your next choice is. Um... I mean, they're pretty a cappella band at times as well, um, the, the Beach Boys, mm -hmm. um, and Don't Worry Baby. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, yeah. let us know why you chose this track today for Moving Sounds. Um, when I was super little, I mean, it was like in my life from birth, I'm pretty sure I had a little Fisher-Price um, LP player, little record player. Um, and we had a few seven inches, I'm sure from my parents, like high school or college days. And one of them was Beach Boys seven inch. And on one side it was, I get around and the other side was don't worry, baby. And I just, I listened to that constantly. So there's another example of really lush reverberant you know, harmonies and stacked vocals and um, just such a unique sound. So, um, you know, I'm sure anytime I, if I put that on today, it would just bring me back to, you know, the carpet in the house I grew up in, you know, nice. <laughs> and things nice. like that. Yeah. This is uh, the, the Beach Boys and Don't Worry Baby. 
so you, I read that you didn't go to university to to make music. Um, same as me, actually. I initially went a different route and then ended up in music in some way. Um, I'd say most people I've had on the show maybe did study it at uni. I, I still think it's more common than not to have studied it at uni, um, mm-hmm. especially maybe in the modern classical type world. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, I guess I'm just curious, like for anyone listening who thinks, oh, my God, I didn't study it. Can I even go into it as a career? Um, of course you can. But um, yeah, pros and cons. Like sometimes I think I wish I had gone because I might have met lots of like minded people who I could have worked mm-hmm. with. I've had to come about it from a different angle. So maybe you meet more people. But um, yeah, but what do you think pros and cons of actually studying music and then getting into it? My my um, perspective on that was I, I just never, I have so much joy in creating music. Um, and it's always been kind of a spur of the moment thing. Um, I don't compose anything ahead of time. I'm sitting down with stuff and um, plugging things in and, you know, trying things out and then like hitting record and just layering on top of that. It's never writing things out ahead of time. You know, for instance, when I went to record with Alex Summers, you know, I, he was like, do you have any demos? I'm like, no, I don't know how to do that. Like, I want to be in the moment and like be inspired by my environment and all of that. So what I'm trying to say is I, I never wanted to be, I, I didn't really like high school very much at all. And I certainly didn't want to be in a situation where it was a drag for me to make music. Like, ugh, you know, like I don't want to spend all weekend doing this composition that I don't care about. That's not from the heart that, you know, I, I just never wanted it to be a drag. I I just knew that like, it just wasn't going to be a good fit because every time I ever made music, you know, from the time I was a kid, I'm like in those stairwells and those parking lots and those auditoriums, I was just making stuff up. Um, and I loved doing that. I still love doing that. And I just never wanted it to be a thing that I wasn't looking forward to. And, um, you know, my dad taught me darkroom photography in high school in our bathroom because he had an enlarger and all that stuff because his dad taught him. And I thought, you know, I'll do that because I definitely want to do something that's artistic, but with photography, it's like a whole different um, set of rules because I am very particular about how I like to set things up and I'm looking to make the perfect portrait, which takes a lot of forethought and planning and, you know, what uh, speed film am I going to use? You know, what camera am I going to use? All all these things, what kind of light am I using? Where am I going to do it? How do I want the end result to be? There's a lot of planning. So I knew I would respond well to that in school. Um, Whereas with music, I I didn't want to be tethered to anything. I want to just be like doing my thing and doing it in the spur of the moment. And then, like, so how did you first sort of get that first first release out? Um, I want to play, is it um, UNT9 from your debut release, Sanguine? Yeah, all of those are like Untitled 9 or whatever. <laughs> That's my favourite from your, I love that track. Oh, um, cool. So maybe you could just 
How did you, um, how did you, could you I mean, it's like 2007, right? So it That's was, when I released it, released it. I started making those in like 2005. Um, it was quite a funny time for the industry because um, that era, because it was like digital, you know, there wasn't really people streaming or uh, downloading legally so much. CDs yeah. had slowed, slowed down a bit. It was quite a hard time to release music maybe. And that's when you started. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, so what are your memories of how you got into it? And, and that track in particular would be awesome. Yeah, um, well, with all of the tracks on Sanguine, that, that came out, that's my very first little self-release that came out in like January 2007. I started making all of those, I think around summer 2005. And um, a friend of mine had a guitar pedal, like a, a delay pedal, but if you like held it down, it would loop. And um, he showed me how to loop and I brought it home with me. I borrowed it, brought it home. And I already had my little Fostex four track since I was like probably 18 or 19, <sighs> little ta cassette tape recorder. So um, yeah, I just started experimenting with the loop um, feature on that little pedal and recorded it onto cassette tapes and you know, I think I think in, on on Sanguine I recorded. There's some guitar on there. There's like some other stuff on there that I recorded over it. Um, but of course, they're just like little two minute bursts or whatever. I was just like getting my feet wet and exploring. Um, but yeah, once again, like all of those tracks was just like doing something in the spur of the moment and just recording it and like you know, it satisfied that, um, you know, liking to work really quick, you know, yeah. thing that I have it worked well with my constitution where I didn't have to, you know, spend a lot of time figuring out ahead of time what it was going to sound like. I just did it and it kind of happened magically. And then in the end, I had something that there's no way I could have planned. Um, so it was exciting because I was like, whoa, where did that come from? Um, but it just it just hit everything perfectly with the way I like to do things. And it was exciting because I just, you know, I had tried to do the singer songwriter thing and that was just not going to happen. Um, and then everything just sort of clicked with the looper. Would it? Um... Were two questions really were there other people around you doing similar looping type vocal style or were you, did it just come out of nowhere and you didn't really know about other people doing it at the time and also was it nerve-wracking your first ever release when you put it out into the world or not mm -hmm. real not really um i'm trying to think in 2005 you know like panda bear's first record and, you know, even things like like a lot of Brian Eno stuff, you know, that I, I didn't know about, that I listened to later. I was like, wow, that kind of, you know, that sounds like the stuff I did for Sanguine and I had never listened to this stuff before. Um, so I think, I think, I, I don't really remember um, being around that. I mean, I remember seeing like Tune Yards 
many years later, at least a couple years later, using a looper on stage. And I don't know, I guess I don't really th remember seeing it very much while I was doing it. I, I, I really don't. I think it was also just kind of like, like I said, you know, the, the kind of coral rounds and layers kind of thing I grew up with because in addition to growing up in a church where we all sang acapella, I was also in choirs from elementary yeah. school all the way through um, until I was an opera chorus after high school. So just so much choral, you know, information. Um, and when you're when you're looping the different vocals, obviously it's very instinctive, but are you thinking, are you almost going back to that childhood where you can imagine the different people in the room in a choir and you're you're looping all the different parts? Or or how 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 do you can you describe how you decide what how to loop the vocals on top of each other? Or is it just pure instinctive? It's purely instinctive. It's kind of this weird magical thing. It's um yeah, it just kind of comes from somewhere. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, what you were asking about with the um, the release of Sanguine, um, I ended up working um, for a musician in 2006 and I was introduced to some people um, who helped me put all the stuff that was on MySpace in 2005 and six. I was, I asked, you know, how do you make a CD? Had no <laughs> idea, didn't know what mastering was, got hooked up with Paul Gold to master it and brought him a bag of cassette tapes. And, you know, that's not what you're supposed to do. I didn't know. Um, but I was like, I was really eager to put it out. It was a really exciting time for me. And then um, when the CDs came out, I remember like slipping them under the doors of venues in Williamsburg, New York, like Pete's Candy Store and Glasshouse Gallery before it was Glasslands. And, uh, you know, I, I was like excited to try and make it a thing. Well, let, let's let's that, let's give it a listen. So it's uh, Juliana Barwick and Un, Untitled Nine, and then I'll go into uh, the other track you mentioned, "Good Girl Carrots" by Panda Bear to follow. <laughs>
is from the film Empire of the Sun. I'd probably say this totally wrong. Suogan. Su- Suogan? I'm not sure. Oh, you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's Welsh. <laughs> we can make oh, it's guess. Welsh. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, this pick today and why it's uh, signposted your life in, in some way. Yeah, I mean, um, next to, you know, that first track, my, my mom's group, next to that, this is definitely, you know, the most influential track and experience and introduction to John Williams. I mean, it kind of like covers so many bases that have followed me through my whole life. Um, I remember our family went to see Empire of the Sun in the theater. So I was like seven or eight years old. And um, it opens with this boy choir singing Suogon, or however you say it. It's a Welsh lullaby. It's a Welsh lullaby. So, um, and um, I'm, I'm assuming John Williams did the arrangement around it. But that was my first introduction. It's like a kid a little kid you know with this um with a boy choir which um is just such a beautiful and unique sound and the melody is so gorgeous and the movie was so haunting and so wonderful and i still cry every time i watch it every single time um, you know, like Christian Bale's performance is insane. He's like 12 years old. It's like the most prodigious thing you've ever seen. Um, so yeah, I mean, I got that soundtrack. I was like a soundtrack nerd as a little kid. I mean, I remember loving that and, you know, um, Somewhere in Time, which is one I forgot to add to my track list, but I taught myself so many, uh, so much of the music from somewhere in time on our piano at home. Um, I taught, I like still know how to play it, how I taught myself how to play it as a little kid because I just loved it so much. So, um, yeah, I was really, I've just always, since I was a kid, been very, very much into, you know, soundtrack music and scores and things and taught myself how to play it but in particular empire of the sun not just the lullaby but um all of the music that john williams composed for that is just absolutely gorgeous and i go and see him every summer he he's still conducting in his 90s at the hollywood bowl every september august september and um every time i go which is every year (laughs) just trying to like will it that they'll play something from that movie but they haven't done it yet but um but yeah that's like the biggest i bet they play star wars i bet they play oh yeah oh yeah they always end it with the imperial march and everyone's waving their lightsabers (laughs) um but yeah i mean that soundtrack is like it's crazy like that had a huge influence on me absolutely huge this is salgan from the film Empire of the Sun by James Rainbird and the Ambrosian Junior Choir arranged by John Williams.
your next choice is um, from Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 Ice Dance track by Danny Danny Elfman. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. I mean that film was just amazing at the time, wasn't it? So gothic. Um, totally, totally. Yeah, and I need. I haven't seen it for years, but uh, yeah, tell us about that. It track. is worth a revisit. Yeah, I mean, I also that's a another one. I'm not sure. I definitely saw Beetlejuice in the theater. So that was '87 too, I think. So mm. same as Empire of the Sun. Um, you know, and of course the music for that is just Danny. No one else could have done that. Danny Elfman just, just you know, it was absolutely perfect for Beetlejuice. And Beetlejuice is one of my favorite movies. But then a little later came Edward Scissorhands, and you know that um, beautiful choral music. It's just so beautiful and kind of Christmassy and, um, you know, it was just another moment in like movie history that made me as a kid just want to cry in a good way. (laughs) Was it that film, if I can remember rightly, like they were in that castle at the top and it was all kind of um, gothic and then but the, the town below was like really like like back yeah. to the future or something <laughs> just it was really like, colorful yeah and... yeah it was like cookie cutter like kind of 50s style 60s style yeah. you know lots of pastel you know it's just the antithesis of his like spooky castle up on the hill um that was it yeah 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 just such a sweet but they don't make films like that anymore <laughs> no they definitely don't so this is uh Ice Dance from the Edward to the Hands soundtrack. favorite ever songs by yourself is a harbinger from 2013 i think mm-hmm, yeah. is it the uh nepenthe album nepenthe yeah nepenthe yeah um i mean it's basically one of my favorite songs of all time so um if you could give me any piece of trivia about it 
and the and the listeners be amazing or just how you made it or absolutely any nuggets of information (laughs) yeah thank you for saying that it's i mean i it's the only song that i've ever said is like maybe my favorite it just it means a lot to me it's uh and the working track title was may 1st for the longest time um (laughs) you know i you know the records leading up to nepenthe were sanguine fluorine and the magic place and Mm -hmm. all of those i made by myself with garage band you know for the non layered non-looped vocals i was singing directly into my laptop you know um yeah just following my nose going to garage band workshops in soho apple store you know uh reading manuals and things like that but then along comes um an email from alex summers um sometime in january 2011 and he wrote me and he said, hey, I, I love your music. I'd love to make something together here in Iceland. And I just wrote back in two seconds. Yep, me too. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, like it was <laughs> that was like maybe the quickest uh, response I've ever, you know, made to an email. Um, and of course, we met up a couple times during that year when he was in New York for something or other. And I just, you know, I was a little nervous at first, like, well like all the music that i made so far is literally i made on my bed for the most part except except for the magic place which i made in um actually sufjan's studio at the time um because that was an asthmatic kitty record um but i had never had eyes or ears on me ever everything was i did all my myself so i was kind of nervous about having someone listen to the pieces parts until it was yeah. complete but then i hung out with alex and he's like world's most adorable human and um i just thought this is gonna be great and uh you know he had an actual studio with fancy equipment and we worked in the Sunling studio, which is the Cigarose swimming pool studio in Reykjavik. We had a few days there and um, recorded Amina playing strings and wow. um, friends of Alex's, their teenage daughters, um, like Goggy from Cigarose. One of his daughters was in this group of girls who sang on the record. Um, and yeah, that, that track was just one of the tracks we made together. And like I said, you know, I I didn't go to Iceland with any demos. So I would just go to his house in the morning and come up with something and we would build from there. Oh, you wrote Um, it all there, okay. Yeah, so, you know, the combination of being in Iceland as a huge, huge Bjorken, Sigaros fan um, and making music there and working with Alex who's so special and like having you know Biggie the engineer at Sunling like working that desk and Amina playing strings it was a whole new world for me and it was so emotional a bit different to sitting on the end of your bed 
And absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, and you know, there's so many emotions, and and of course, Iceland is just breathtaking and yeah. moving and emotional, just to be in its beauty. Um, so yeah, that was like a turn for me, for sure, for sure. It, it really? I, pr I proved to myself also that. I didn't have to work in one way and um, it did work to collaborate with other people, which I was nervous about, but it ended up being such a beautiful time in my life. And, you know, I lived in New York when I recorded that record and Alex lived in Reykjavik and now we're both out here in LA. So it's wonderful to be able to see him anytime. Anytime you want. <laughs> uh, well, that's that's uh, lovely, um, evocative hearing about how that track was made. So this is uh, your good self and um, Harbinger.
And uh, Juliana, you've chosen um, Enya as one of your picks today, Evening Pools. I, I, I think, I don't think Enya gets the respect she deserves, you know. I, I, like, I, I, in I agree terms of, strongly. I feel like she should be on front of mag, front of magazine covers because so many artists love her, but I don't know, there's something she doesn't quite get, you know, the, the attention I feel she deserves. Oh yeah, I mean, she. I hear her influence the respect, all over. The respect, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear her influence all over the place. Yeah. And um, I think it's this thing where you know it, it became like you laugh at new age music, or you know people think it's you know yeah. Muzak or whatever. But uh, it got a bit popular, didn't it? It just went o really overground for a bit. Yeah, totally, totally. And like people thought it was cheesy or whatever. Yeah. But um, I definitely remember having all of her tapes when we had it on cassette tape. <laughs> and then I guess we, I remember having Watermark on cassette tape, our family did. And, you know, that's where my dad's influence actually comes in. My mom's a beautiful singer, and I heard her singing my whole life. But my dad's always been into, like, he's been very adventurous with music and, like, you know, would listen to this Hearts of Space program that had a lot of, like, ambient and kind of weird music that he would always listen to. And I heard that growing up. But he, we had every single Inya record growing up. And, um... It was really hard to pick a track because yeah. every time I hear those old records, it's just, whoa, I'm like back in my childhood. But this one, I, I taught myself this song on the piano and I can still play it the way I taught myself how to play <laughs> it when I was a little kid. Um, so she was a huge influence on me, huge. I mean, between her and, you know, growing up singing, with the church and then in the choirs. I mean, that influence is just huge in what I've made. Do you think she gets hit up much by like contemporary producers and stuff? She must get. She like, must. Does, does she like, I feel like she hasn't been on like any really sort of cutting edge contemporary records, but she must get asked. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can think of is the Fuji's sample. Yeah. Um, you know, there's that. So, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like she's uh, a very, you know, like quiet to herself artist, which I mean, I would be too. I mean, she's yeah. just hanging out in her castle with her cats as far as I've read. Um, so, so yeah. 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 I don't think she's much of a live performer either, you know, yeah. but if I ever heard that Enya was doing a world tour and needed an uh, needed an opening act. I'd be I'd be asking my booking agent to send an yeah. email, <laughs> or, or, or putting a CD through her front door, like like in yeah. the in the New York days. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, this is uh, Enya and Evening Fools.
mentioned earlier uh, about your experience in Iceland and your your love of Bjork and you've chosen a Bjork track today human behavior oh yeah so yeah, yeah why why did you pick that track uh, other than it's obviously a classic <laughs> well I mean that that track in particular I mean that whole record but that track in particular because that's the first track I heard from the record um, you know, that was like when I was 13, that record came out and I lived in Tulsa. I was, you know, obsessed with Pearl Jam. I was in love with Eddie oh, Vedder, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> but I went to the mall one day and saw the debut CD and I was just strangely drawn to it, bought it with my, you know, waitressing money. Um, and took it home and, you know, there were so many striking things about it. It, it wasn't mainstream. This was like a person with a really crazy name. I'd never seen a, you know, an Icelandic name before. And where was Iceland? You know, it was all very new to me. And I was like, well, she's like a solo artist, but she's not like, Debbie Gibson or you know like any of these other like solo female artists that I'd grown up with it was just like a totally new thing and that 
her voice was so unique and all of the textures of the different songs on that record just blew my mind. I think I was about yeah. 13 whenever that record came out. And human behavior in particular is just, has there ever been a song before or since that sounds like that? No, it's so unique. And it just, just, you know, had me deep diving into, um, you know, alternative music from from there on out. And I became, you know, deeply, deeply obsessed with her. It sort of came out of nowhere, didn't it? Like, I remember MTV at the time, I used to watch it all the time, and I guess Nirvana was on it, obviously, and they were, but when Bjork came on it, it was just like, her videos were on MTV in the early 90s. It was just like nothing else. It just came out of nowhere, it felt like. Yeah, and she looked so cool and beautiful and her clothes were so rad. And it was just so exciting. There had never been anything like her before or since, obviously. In the pandemic, I explored her early punk bands. Oh, yeah. like so after she was like a child star and before she started sugar cubes she was in like quite a few different punk bands that you did on spotify and you know streaming services and there's quite a lot of different names a lot of different like punk bands it's yeah um i have to dig that up actually yeah Uh, such an interesting um career hasn't she Definitely, definitely. And I, I I definitely listened. I got, you know, in my obsession, I got everything I could get my hands on. So I, you know, had all the Sugar Cubes records and stuff too in high school. Yeah. Nice. So this is um, Bjork and Human Behaviour.
And then you were, you were saying earlier uh, that you use, and I think you still do use GarageBand. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and then did you mention like a lot of your early records? You literally sang into the laptop, so you didn't have like uh, any posh mics. You didn't really have microphones or as such in the early days. And the only thing, the only exception to that was I did have a condenser mic for a while. I lost it at some <laughs> point, and, and and that's how I recorded the piano on Anjos from Florine. There's this kind of like you know really like lilting. Um, piano heavy song called Anjos and I remember recording it with the condenser mic with the phantom power on my RC50 <laughs> and you know that came out in 2009 but I don't know if it was like laziness or whatever and I when I was making um, the magic place in 2010 I specifically remember singing into the laptop you know and yeah. uh, I think you know once I started I, I think the same year um, I was making a record with uh, Roberto, Alado Negro Roberto, and I would send him vocals and he'd be like, how are you recording these? I'm like, uh, <laughs> just, I just sing into my laptop. He's like, Juliana, what are you doing? So, but yeah, that's how I used to do it, you know? Um, do you know um, Paul Peabody at Brain Feeder? Peabody. No. Uh, he was um he works at Brainfeed and, and releases music, but he wanted some piano stuff and he he just wanted it on the iPhone. He didn't want it done on proper mics. He just just record it on your iPhone. It's fine. Like it's I yeah. think it's like I, I I what you do is and what you how you it's so inspiring. I think for the listeners to listen about because I think there's so much pressure to know everything about um, Ableton or Logic, know every setting and be a super producer and know this know that and like when i when i do the piano music um i i dabble with lots of different things but ultimately i just want to keep it as you know just just raw and simple really and um mm -hmm. you don't it's great if you do know everything but you don't i guess my point is and maybe you agree you don't have to you absolutely and, and the, fact, the fact you've built this amazing body of work i mean thank you very much it's just very inspiring i think that the <laughs> fact that I, you don't have to have all this equipment and you can if you want but it's not totally. a necessity totally i mean people people you know are very surprised by that still um yeah but even like healing is a miracle my record that came out in 2020 i mean besides the tracks featuring yonzi and no such thing like those are all i've made all of those at home on GarageBand. Um, and, and I think that it, it is good for anyone who wants to make music by themselves at home, you know? I mean, every Mac comes with GarageBand, so anybody can do it. And like I said, you know, in the early days, I was going to GarageBand workshops at Apple stores in New York City. They're free. Mm. We're free, you know? I had no yeah. money. So, um... I was learning from there and it's just kind of at this point it's kind of like if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of thing yeah. um and it it works so and i know how to do it like the back of my hand just like my machines you know like my gear so yeah i, I yeah i had to learn ableton um 
for a project that I did, but you know, I just went back to my roots. Yeah, for, for, <laughs> for your main stuff. So, um, yeah, just getting towards your 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 last picks now. Uh, you've got um, uh, let let's play let's play two at once. So, like, we've got um, Tori Amos and Silent All These Years, and then um. Apex Twin and Alberto Basalam. Is it Balsam? Alberto Balsam. I think that was a brand of shampoo. I mean, when I was a kid. Oh, really? I think Alberto, but I remember <laughs> that uh, as a kid, like my mum used to put that shampoo on my head. Um, unless That's I'm funny. Unless I'm completely tripping right now. But um, I mean, he probably would name a track after that, wouldn't he? But um, yeah, let, let us know about those two picks if that's, if that's cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, Tori was as big of a deal to me as Bjork was another one of those things um a friend of mine in I think it was like ninth grade um had a Tori Amos CD and you know it was when I was I think I remember asking like what kind of music does she make and he was like I, it's hard to describe and I was like is it country like what is it you know it's like I hadn't you know done a deep dive into quote unquote alternative music yet but um I mean I I discovered her music and uh you know between her piano playing and her voice and the uniqueness of her material and provocativeness of her material especially as someone who grew up going to church three times a week um (laughs) I became deeply deeply obsessed with her also also obsessed with the way she looked I I still think that Tori Amos is one of the most beautiful women that's ever lived and I I pretty sure I can still draw her from memory so (laughs) that tells you that the obsession was extremely extremely deep um (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I slept outside overnight in Tulsa in 1997 to uh, get front row center tickets to her show. So, oh, yeah, wow. big influence, super big influence. Amazing pianist as well. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. And who was the other person? Um, well, it's quite a, quite a weird combination of tracks, actually, I guess. Uh, but oh, Apex Twin, Apex Twin and uh, Alberto, the shampoo yeah. track. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so Tori, Tori, I found in um, like my freshman year of high school, and then the Aphex track was, you know, I think when I was like a senior or something, and a friend of mine had it playing in his car, and I just remember hearing that sample, that sound of the whatever furniture it is that's scooting on the floor. Um, and just, you know, being like, oh, this doesn't have singing on it. This is, this is, what is this? You know, and then the scooting sound and it's just such a unique track and it's so beautiful. I just had to throw it in to this list because I feel like maybe that was one of my first moments where I was listening to, um, wordless, um, sort of electronic or ambient music and it had a real um it made a real impression for me because I'd never heard anything like it before and I oh my gosh if I had a dollar for every time I've listened to that track since then oh my goodness I could go to Hawaii, <laughs> I could go to Hawaii right now 
Okay, so this is uh, Tori Amos and Silent All These Years and um, Apex Twin and Alberto Balsam. Excuse me, but can I be you for a while? My dog won't bite if you sit real still. I got the Antichrist in the kitchen yelling at me again. Yeah, I can hear Been saved again by the garbage truck I got something to say, you know But nothing comes Yes, I know what you think of me You never shut up Yeah, I can hear that But what if I'm a mermaid In these jeans of his With her name still on it hey, but I don't care Cause sometimes I said Sometimes I hear my voice And it's been Here Silent all these years So you found a girl Who thinks really deep thoughts What's so amazing About really deep thoughts Boy you best pray That I bleed real soon How's that thought for you? My screen got lost in a paper cup Think there's a heaven where some screams have gone I got 25 bucks and a cracker Do you think it's enough to get us there? Cause what if I'm a mermaid In these jeans of his with her name still on it Hey, but I don't care Sometimes I said sometimes I hear my voice and it's been Silent all these Silent all these years 
yeah talking about electronic music i do want to talk about your um healing is a miracle album on ninja tune and you had a no such thing as one of the uh, uh artists you worked with on one of the tracks mm-hmm. um amazing electronic producer and um yeah. also obviously john z from seagull ross and um mary latimore yeah. and um i'd love to um for you to pick a track from the album to play today as well and um and uh, maybe uh one that's particularly meaningful to you has to be in spirit that's the first track on the record um just because that was kind of really magical the way that came together i was just playing with my vocal pedal that i perform with and record with and just you know was just pressing things and (laughs) came up with that you know found that um vocal setting and hit record the bass is so nice the bass in that track as well yeah uh... yeah so so that track just i it just came together magically i think i recorded it in like 30 minutes i the vocal track was one take and then i was just messing around and then um and then i thought this needs some like lung rattling bass just to like (laughs) you know really just make it have this like polarity um happening within and thumbed through my bass bank and found one that was pretty rattling (laughs) and um you know the whole track came together like so quickly and it wasn't like anything i've ever made before and it just means so much to me in so many ways it's kind of hard to describe
and um the album obviously came out in um the height of the the lockdowns and did you get to tour it as much as you would have liked or probably not i guess like you would have liked to have done like there was hardly any shows at that time so um i had a huge uk and europe tour scheduled for the fall of 2020 that got rescheduled to uh you know spring of last year 2022 and then you know borders started closing again and covid started getting crazy again so it was booked once rescheduled and then we we weren't going to reschedule it again because you know to reschedule it that the first time was yeah. so much work and then you're just kind of like trying to guess like this pandemic thing won't last more than a couple of years right so let's just like do all of this work to rebook this entire tour it just was too much and so we were just like you know what we're just gonna scrap it for now um so yeah that that really stinks because that was a beautiful tour um and it's been a long time since i toured the uk and europe i mean at least since 2016 been a long time and i love doing that i miss it so much so yeah it's a major bummer for all of us musicians you know trying to play our play our shows um and uh but you know i i ended up working with outermost and um we we uh booked this tour that happened last may 2022 and um yeah it was the first time i toured in almost six years and, and um, how um how similar to the record do you keep i mean how much is your live performance um how much improvisation is going on? How similar is it to the album? Um... Very little improvisation these days. But, I mean, I think, you know, in the early days when I performed, I did a lot of improvising and, uh, you know, would just kind of see where it took me live and, you know, take that chance. And it was scary and fun. But then yeah. I think by, like... I like the magic place, which came out in 2011. I was teaching myself how to play the songs and, yeah. um, and it's been that way ever since. But the thing is, is like, because I, I don't sample my vocal loops. I always make those fresh for every show. Um, and, it, and nothing's on a click track. I mean, I have samples and things like that, but everything's made from scratch live. So there's always a little bit of wiggle room. And that's really fun because if I feel like it and I feel like building a loop for 12 minutes, I could if I wanted to, you know, and it, it can be a little bit different. Um, you know, every time I, it is, it, it has to be a little bit different every time I play it. Having the moments when you can do it. Uh, our mutual friend, um, Raphael Anton uh -huh. Irizarry, he, um, he uh, texted me to like join him on stage at Cafe Otto recently. And I oh, was, cool. I was shitting myself. I can't um, say I wasn't because he, <laughs> he, he just wanted to, he just, he wouldn't tell me what he was going to play basically. 
He oh just my. sort of said, oh, just come on on the encore and I'm going to play like, it's going to be kind of E minor, but uh, just play. And like, <laughs> I, and I'm coming from a piano, like a little bit more like the notes are in a certain order or whatever. So, um, but I'd like face the fear and I did it. And uh, I'm very glad I did because that's where magic can happen. I think if you do just maybe like when you went to ice, just try to do different stuff. Yeah, I just wondered how much you improvise, I guess. I. I think it can get quite addictive. <laughs> yeah, not very much anymore at all. I mean, Mary Lattimore and I, and I have done a few tours together and um, we had a, a few nights where we would like pick a key and improv at the end. Like, you know, I'd play a set, she'd play a set, we'd do a little improv. Um, but, you know, outside of that, I'm not really doing that myself much these days. Um, we should probably like pick your final um, tracks before we sort of wrap up, uh, okay. just because of uh, we've got a, a, a set time on the show and stuff. Okay. Uh, I, could, I could I could talk forever, but uh, <laughs> same. Uh, so uh, Seagull Ross um, Olsen Olsen uh, is is your uh, is your next track. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, let, let us know about that one, please, Juliana. Um. Well, I mean, as far as influential there's no way that i couldn't have cigarettes on on the list um i heard their music um in like 2002 i think you know when vanilla sky came out and it had the <laughs> little you know I, i'm not going to pretend to know how to pronounce anything but um that track exploded and and I got that record and saw them play in 2002 at Beacon Theater in New York and just like haven't been the same since. Um, I just remember being, you know, completely moved by that concert like you would with like a breakup or something. I felt like my heart was broken. Um, between the music and atmosphere and the visuals, um, it's just inimitable, completely. And that that concert just stuck with me for so long, like like a breakup would or something. It just had such an emotional effect on me. And I remember I picked Olsen Olsen because I remember that being one of the first tracks that, you know, I just thought was so beautiful. Their music is just so beautiful and unique. And um, yeah, I could not include. Yeah. And um, and now John T has been on your, your last album. <laughs> yeah. Wild. I, I remember when he sent me his vocals that ended up being on In Light, the track from Healing is a Miracle. I just wept because that was an abs... I mean, to say that's a dream come true is like an understatement. That was... Uh, it still is absolutely surreal that there is a song out there that has our voices together. <laughs> this is uh, Seagull Ross and Olsen Olsen.
just a random final question like if you could like put an album out into the to the world like not under your name and no one ever knew it was like you but something totally different musically like totally different like, what, what would you do <laughs> um it would probably be like uh dancey with r&b vocal R&B. oh yeah yeah i mean I know I didn't have any R&B tracks on this list, but the first records I ever bought with my own money um, were on vinyl, and it was Whitney Houston, Whitney, and Lionel Richie, Dancing on the Ceiling. Um, I have always been, always, a huge, huge pop and R&B, hip-hop, everything, but since we're on... Speaking about it now, the R&B yeah. is huge for me. I am a Whitney Houston fanatic, you know, Mariah Carey, SWV, it just goes on and on and on. Brandy, Brandy. Oh yeah, oh my gosh. I just, I love it so much. I live to do karaoke and do voice <laughs> yeah. to men or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, I think that's my question, actually. The karaoke, what's the karaoke song? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, a bunch of times it's been, I mean, it's, it's laughable because they're such difficult songs and I'm sure it's extremely painful to listen to, but Vision of Love, I've done many times and I have nothing, um, I've done many times, um, yeah, I just, I absolutely love R&B. And I, I find myself, like when I perform live, um, once it's not looping anymore, I kind of have this tendency to like sing in that way. I just, I just love it so much. So yeah, who knows? You never know. <laughs> I'd love to yeah. love to hear it. Um, good good answer, by the way. So yeah, um, yeah just, um, just to play a, play us out and uh, well thank you for coming on the coming on the show um first of all julia and i really appreciate it thanks for having me it's been fun walk down memory lane yeah so one of my favorite things to do so uh i do it a lot on the show (laughs) um yeah your your last your last track is dlp 1.1 from the disintegration loops by um william pazinski Yeah. yeah, like, uh, how did you first sort of come across that uh, classic? I'm, you know, with anything with music like that that came out after 2000, I could almost guarantee it was from an other music recommendation. I used to get the other music newsletter email, and I can't tell you how much music I discovered that way. Um, you know, RIP, other music, New York City, best record store ever. Um, <laughs> but I discovered that track and, you know, the, the whole story behind it is, you know, it was around 9-11, um, which of course, you know, I moved to New York City, May 2001, and, you know, 9-11 was just a few months later. So it had a, you know, the meaning behind his body of work, Disintegration Loops, um, really spoke to me because I was there for for that whole thing. But of course, you know, at the same time, it was kind of this fascination with 
you know, I didn't discover it until years after I had made Sanguine. And I thought, this kind of sounds like the song, like the songs on Sanguine, you know, this loop, this like just looping and the, and the, the tracks like an hour long. And, um, I just love the fact that it does disintegrate over time. It's my it's my security blanket track, I would say. I've never said that before, but that's just what I just thought and it's true. Like um and it's just kind of funny because I I did ha have that, you know, um recognition when I heard it. I was like, "Oh, this is like looping like I like to do." Um and uh yeah, it's just a beautiful track. You, you sort of yeah. um, felt a sense of community. There was other stuff out there. Yes, yes. And then and then not long after that, I opened a show for him in 2013. Um, and then again, a couple of years later. So we got to meet up um, and he's a wonderful human as well, which isn't always the case. Um, <laughs> it's def definitely wonderful to meet him and um, his music is gorgeous. It's just gorgeous. Well, yeah, thank you for um, sharing all your picks today and your, your time and um, of course. have a good rest of the day. And this is, um, as you said, the track's an hour long. So so here uh, or is an excerpt <laughs> of uh, yeah. DLP 1.1. 1 .1.